the Vedic system, the caste system, kept the lower classes in their positions without giving them access to studies and other such things and that accounts for widespread poverty in India. So that is what Marxists would like you to believe and that's what has been pushed in the textbooks. Like to see what will happen. Angus Madison, historical economist, talks about the GDP of India at 33% as the world GDP in one, going down to 2003, up to 2003. You see it's going through a period of decline over here through invasion periods, a small rise during Maratha consolidation, and then the colonialist and a rapid decline fortunes of India when Western Europe goes up. The idea from a mile high view is that a transference of wealth from India into Western Europe caused poverty in India. However, this is hiding a lot of things. There are maybe 100 PhD theses waiting to be written over here about the micro stories. There are lots of human interest bottom level stories that is not told by this graph. It, everything is embedded over here. First thing I like to call your attention to is, as an engineer, I love doing this. Let's extrapolate backwards. <laughs> Let's extrapolate backwards. <laughs> what is it telling you? It's telling you when you take this graph at 33% and go backwards in time, the slope is more and more positive, meaning that India was a very, very rich nation in the past. When I gave this talk in Chennai, I was fortunate that Dr. Srini Kalyan Raman, he came to the talk. He's a director of Saraswati Research Center. And he said, do you notice if you push this graph all the way back to the Harappan times, we have one of the most rich people. And all his work, Srini Kalyan Raman, has been working on the wealth of ancient India was based on metal works. His research shows how there was a trade from Mekong Valley in uh, Vietnam all the way to Haifa in Israel. There was metal works which was going through the Mekong River, Brahmaputra River, the Ganga River, the Sindhu Saraswati, Indus, and the land route up to Haifa. And he says Harappa people were the center of all of this action. And they were experts at metalworks. They were the ones who invented bronze. Somebody over here figured out that you take copper and add tin to it, it's going to become bronze. They were the ones who were doing metalworks. It is this that contributed to the wealth of ancient India. It's an amazing observation that uh, Sini Kalyanraman made. I thought I'll talk about that. Next thing I'd like to talk about, today if I take somebody from the streets of New Delhi and ask, what are your aspirations? He's going to say, I'd love to have a bungalow in the richest part of New Delhi. I don't know what that is. Maybe where Janpath is somewhere, a bungalow by themselves. And then he'd say that I'd love to have an Audi car maybe and uh, send my children to rich schools and maybe take a vacation in Europe, wear expensive clothes. These are the aspirations. And the money goes to all these various people. Let me take the question back 200 years, 200 or 300 years ago, you ask an ordinary Joe off the road, what are your aspirations? He's going to say, oh, I'd like to have some clothes to wear. I'd like to have some pots and pans so my wife can do some cooking. I'd love to buy the lady some jewels so that she can wear some jewels. And these are my aspirations. This is what I'd like to do. I ask a question, who made all these things in India? Who made the textiles? Who made the pots and pans, metal or earthen? Who made the jewels? It was the potter, it was the ironsmith, it was the goldsmith, it was the farmers, it was the textile worker. And who were these guys? Were they Brahmins? No, they were all the so-called so-called lower classes and the shudras. The artisans were all in this lower class and they were the ones with this 33%. This is hiding that piece of data. It's not the Brahmins who were the richest over there. It's the so-called lower classes in India. They produced every good of interest 
for the economy. So the economy was propped up by them and people wanted the Indian works. That's why it was uh, a very, very high GDP. Then we talk, focus on this rapid decline and see what is going on over here. So in 1700, the East India Company came to India and they left a lot of census on the schools and other things, the records, and Dharampal went to England and he studied these things. I recommend the book, A Beautiful Tree, and you can download that and read it. He's given a census of these schools. So he says every village in India that had a temple had a school also in it, which means we had hundreds of thousands of schools all over India. There are several things that jump out at you. First thing is, why did India need so many schools? The economy was like that. Second thing he says, what was the composition of the school? He says more than 50% were the so-called lower classes and a few more in the forward classes here and there and Brahmins about 5 to 6% in each of these schools. Next thing Dharampal notes, the British asked about the model for the school. Who is funding the school? Is it the Raja? And they found that no, it is a local population that is supporting the school. So the people in that village would give a portion of their produce every year to the village temple and in return the priest would teach their children. The farmers' children, the artisans' children, everybody's children are taught and they would support the economy in a certain way. This is the model that is used in ancient India. I have anecdotal evidence because my wife's family also used to do that. They had ancestral lands and a, produce of, a portion of the produce would be given to the kanchi mutton in southern India. That was a practice they had for a long time till it stopped because of economics and things like that. So given that model, I'd now like to talk to you about a second anecdote. I'm going to connect the dots. I'm going to give a second anecdote. United States chanced upon a bigoted thing called the manifest destiny. It was thought to be the white man's privilege from God, the divine right from God, because you must go back to the story of Noah and his sons Ham and others. Ham was a cursed son who was made to support all the other sons. With that idea, the white people said, we have God's mandate to civilize the world, to control and civilize the world, and they had to serve us. That was the basis of slavery in the United States and for eradicating the Native Americans and all those things. At the same period of time, the British took inspiration from that and we got a bigoted law here called the Doctrine of Lapse. So Dalhousie brought the Doctrine of Lapse, fully encouraged by this manifest destiny. You can read some works that show the connections between these two ideas over there. So this one says that if a British protectorate dies without a male son, then the British will take over that land. That was the Doctrine of Lapse. I'd like to tell you the story of Tanjavur. How many know where Tanjavur is? A lot of, almost everybody knows. Southern India, Tamil Nadu, beautiful place. Tanjavur has been the richest place in India for the longest time because it is in the delta of the Kaveri River. The Kaveri River gave three paddy crops in a year because you have a very strong sunlight there and other such things. Three paddy crops. On the riches of the Kaveri Delta, the Cholas, for example, they built a magnificent Brihadishwara temple. Kumbakonam, you go, you find millions, thousands of temples over there. They built a powerful navy that should go to Southeast China and all these things. It is because of the riches of the Kaveri Delta. The Cholas went up, declined at some point. We can talk about that later, why they declined. But that vacuum was filled in later on by the Vijayanagar. Vijayanagar Empire came and protected this area from the Muslim invasions. Then when the Vijayanagar Empire fell, the Maratha rulers who were the chieftains under Vijayanagar, they took over Tanjavur. Now approximately in this time frame, 1700s, the French had landed in Tamil Nadu. The French teamed up with Hyder Ali and they started attacking Tanjavur. So the ruler, Shivaji II, 
he took the protection of the british to chase away these guys unfortunately the poor chap died without a son and the british annexed tanjavur through the doctrine of lapse overnight the tax in tanjavur changed from an enlightened 15% to more than 56% to more than 56% the tax has changed when that happened the population could not afford to pay the tax the farmers could not afford to pay the tax the vaishyas could not afford to pay the tax the system started collapsing once they could not afford to pay the tax the british started confiscating so who are all the people disenfranchised the kshatriyas the landlords the zamindars all were disenfranchised by the british power grab the farmers and the artisans vaishyas were all dis- disenfranchised because of taxes the farmer could no longer give a portion of his produce to the temple so the learning in addition collapsed in india and the brahmin was also out of a job in that period of time the british took the money from the taxes and the artisan knowledge they didn't have knowledge of making muslin or textiles or even steel at that time southern india had uruk uruk is wood steel you had that besamer was not invented yet besamer was a driving process of industrial revolution that is later so they took all of this knowledge including mathematics sciences and other things with the money sponsored their industrial revolution so instant industrial revolution ramped up and the finished goods were forced upon indians suddenly indians are buying goods from lancashire manchester and all these places and guess who was out of a job the artisans nobody would buy the artisans products anymore widespread poverty all over india whether it is in the brahmin class the kshatriya class the vaishya class or the so called artisan shudra class everybody was impoverished by the british policy that is hiding here that is hiding over here this is the reason why mk gandhi came and begged people wear khadi don't uh, take foreign clothes because he was an eyewitness he was an eyewitness to the depredation of the british and was saying don't do that let's protect our economy our people that's the reason why he said all of these things so this graph over here like i said hides a lot of things that we don't uh, uh, see in a mile high view i put that over here sunset on in india so farmers artisans we talked about that british taxation collapse industrial revolution underwritten by indian money and knowledge artisan classes impoverished by british manufactured goods and the next thing was at that time macaulay came to the scene macaulay came to the scene and said let's now distance the indians from their systems from the traditional systems and introduce the english education system at that time who was there to man the schools the out of a job brahmin out of job brahmin in order to eat and survive he became the school principal school teacher college if you see why they're disproportionately brahmins over here the british favored them because they knew they were the respected people in society if they teach english maybe the others will come and learn with that purpose they favored the brahmins over here and missionaries like caldwell came turned around told the dravidian you see the brahmin he's a reason for your poverty <laughs> <laughs> having created poverty they turned round and told the confused classes that the brahmin is controlling access to education to jobs clerical systems and he's the one who is been uh, keeping you down so the circle is complete the bigotry the greed the avarice and everything the circle is complete this is what the british did in india all that is hiding in everything that i wrote over here british education system collapsed traditional learning disconnected people from roots missionaries further the divide taking advantage of large poverty turmoil in the country you cannot go from here to here without severe psychological stresses you cannot 
anybody who goes from that point to this point has got enormous distress that is going to show up in the society in one way or the other. Society can become insular. You can say us and them may start happening. You may want to have your distance from somebody else. Maybe all the perversions of the so-called caste system that we are seeing could have arisen because of this kind of a distress in the society. So, like I said, this is hiding many, many things over here.